Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the J. Rolden Speaks Podcast. If this is your first time here, I want to say welcome, 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 welcome. I don't know what you did today, I don't know what you're doing, I don't know what it is that you are going to do, but I want to say thank you so much for spending your time and your evening with me, at least for this next half hour or an hour. We'll see how, where this goes. But I want to say, once again, welcome to all of you and all of my Spanish speakers. Por favor, no se vayan. Un millón de gracias. Por favor, quédense conmigo para que... Pueden disfrutar de un show maravilloso, algo que te va a alimentar, te va a fortalecer. Así que muchas gracias por su sintonía. No sé qué hicieron hoy, pero lo, espero que lo pasen súper bien aquí. Aquí vamos a edificarte, ¿cierto? Así que si es tu primera vez, bienvenidos. Que tú, que Dios te bendice y que, bueno, que te guarde y que regreses lo más seguido posible. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. It's going to be a great show tonight. If this is your first time here, once again, two things that I ask for you. Number one is I want you to get some earphones. I want you to get some headphones. What is it that you use to listen to music? You know why? Because the experience is so much better. I guarantee it. And another thing I ask is go find a nice cozy place. Are you in a place where you can have a room to yourself? Maybe you have a couch. Maybe you have a nice patio. Maybe you're out in the mountains. Maybe at the beach. I don't know where you are. But I want you to find a nice comfy place. And let's get ready to listen to some great, great poems tonight, guys. All right? All right, guys. Wow. It's going to be so good. Guys, are you guys ready for something amazing? Something that is going to be uplifting and is going to stimulate your mind? Did you know that we read poems here? I don't know if you did, but I want to remind you that sometimes poems, like whether you like it or if you don't like it, sometimes they speak to us, sometimes they don't. But if they do, I wanted you to challenge yourself and at least, at least listen to how these words like take a hold of you. What are they saying to you? How is it? How is that word growing? One of the beauties of learning language and any language is where does that word come from where's it going okay so many things here to learn i promise you you'll learn something very valuable this was sort of like an improv session so i just want to give a heads up to all my regular followers thank you so much for being here if you didn't know this already those of you who are new i have a spotify account so after this show i want you to go to spotify if you don't have it download it and then search for J. Rolden Speaks. And I guarantee you, you're going to find some really great content there that is going to uplift you. It's going to give you a sense of peace and who knows, maybe a sense of hope. But regardless, go check it out. Let me know how I'm doing. Rate the show. Leave a message if you like. And then come back and listen to one of these lives in direct. You know what we say in Spanish, by the way? Whenever we say something is live, we say... En vivo y en directo. So we say it's live and direct, which it's kind of ironic because like if you're doing something live, it's supposed to be direct. So it's like we need to tell ourselves twice that something is live, right? <laughs> so it's very interesting. I don't know why we do that, but we do that. So it's kind of a culture thing. Once again, thank you so much for being here. Are you guys ready? All right. If you don't know the song, by the way, this is by the police and it's called Voices in My Head. And, you know, the message is a little bit, you know, a little bit strange, but the beat is so, 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 so fire. So if you don't, if you haven't heard this song before, you should totally listen to it. It's so, so catchy. I love it. But tonight's theme is going to be about reflection, right? The voices in your head. 
A couple of lives ago, I talked about a mirror, and I talked about this French philosopher and how he argued about the beginning stages of self-reflexivity and when we develop consciousness. And so the mirror is an important item that we need in our lives in order to gain consciousness. So I figure, you know what, let's continue with that theme and let's do something more about reflexivity, right? Something that we want to ponder, want to reflect, want to grow. You know what's interesting about that word is it's a reflection, right? It's basically bouncing off an image of your own back to you. And for some reason in that process of bouncing that image back to you, you start to achieve some type of consciousness, some type of realization. It's so fascinating to me because why can't we do that before? Why can't we just reflect on something about ourselves and grow from it before we look at a mirror, right? So it's very interesting how this mirror, even though it's inanimate, it's still bec becoming a critical item when it comes to the process of reflexivity, right? All right, guys, I'm going to be changing here the tunes here in, the, in just a few minutes, but I can't get enough of this beat. So I'm trying to like prolong it because I love this beat so much. I'm trying to like fill up the space so that I can at least entice you guys to listen to it a little bit more and just kind of get, get into the, the mood here. But I will slow down the music. Don't worry. Those of you regular followers, it'll, it'll calm down. Don't worry. We're going to get to in, into that sort of like, you know, that soft spoken and very, very like kind hearted mannerism and you know mood so it'll be all right okay guys but before i get there i want to say thank you so much to all my current subscribers you know who you are i'm not going to name last names but i'm just going to throw out the first names that i can think of so once again sandra uh, katie and mary and sarah and carrie and who else? <laughs> so the other ones. Oh, Angela, Morgan, Beth, Elizabeth. Who else? Did I miss somebody? Julia. And wait, wait, it's on the tip of my tongue. Danielle. That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much to all my current supporters. I can't tell you how much I really, really have benefited from your support. And I hope that we continue to support the show because it is helping me in the long run and helping me stay motivated to continue to do these shows. So I hope you guys enjoy yourselves tonight. I hope you find something that is going to be very useful, something that you can use and apply in your life, right? It's not only listening to my voice and these poems, but it's also an application, right? Whenever you hear something, you want to learn how to apply it, right? It's the same same form of like gaining knowledge in every part of the world, right? Whenever you have a concept, you want to know how you can apply it, right? Like it's a concept, application, concept, application. It's the same idea with like theory and evidence, right? Theory and application, theory and proof, theory and proof, theory and proof. So it's the same idea. So I don't just want you guys to be complacent. I want you guys to interact. I want you guys to talk. I want you guys to share and comment with one another. And, you know, maybe some of you guys will be, I don't know, some type of bond or connection with online connection that you can develop here. So if I don't read your comments, it's not because I'm ignoring you. It's because I'm deep in thought. And so I just want to give you a heads up. Okay. All right. You guys know the drill. We're going to slow things down here just in about a minute. I'm going to drink some water. 
and then start off with my first poem for tonight. All right. So once again, welcome, 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 welcome. And I'm so looking forward to tonight, guys. All right. Give me one second while I find out what I'm going to be reading tonight. And like I said, I have a nice list here. So we're going to get started here pretty soon. It's so good. You know what? I'm gonna drink my yogurt while this beat finishes. You guys ready? This is yogurt, by the way. We're staying healthy here. It's pretty controlled on the sugar level, so it's not too bad. <laughs> Who else drinks yogurt at 2 o'clock in the morning? Come on! Must be the song, right? Voices in my head. <laughs> what? Alright. Alright, so we're gonna get started here. Real quick. Are you guys doing okay? Everybody happy? Everybody okay? Maybe something went wrong. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to solve your problems, but hopefully some of these poems will give you some type of console, right? So, speak up. Don't worry. We're all friends here. Kind of. <laughs> Once again, I'm stalling just because I want I want this beat to never end. <laughs> I promise I'll get started. Let me finish this yogurt. Blessed half wolf moon. What is that? That's interesting. Is this like part of like some type of? Do I want to know? Or are you answering my question before? Who drinks yogurt at two o'clock in the morning? Is the ha if is it the wolves? Is it the the? The wolf moon. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right, sadly we gotta end this this beat, man, because it's it's too good, man. Whoa! All right, where are we going? Where are we going? There it is. Ah, uh, familiar now, right? All right, guys. It's gonna take a couple minutes here for you to transition into a slower pace now. But it's going to be worth it. Alright? His name is Half Moon. <laughs> gotcha. Alright. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. I don't know what that means, but like, I definitely appreciate it. Is there a person from the Middle East? Marhaba. Ahlan wa sahlan. Kifakinte. El Arabiye. Shwaye. Shwaye Arabiye. And um, uh, this life. <laughs> All right, guys, you guys ready? Okay. First poem I'm going to read tonight is titled "Risk." Here we go. 
And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. <laughs> it's a very short poem. I have some more, don't worry. But I wanna I wanted to spend tonight this first poem something very, very critical about this poem. Something crucial, I mean. And it's pretty understandable to perceive the concept of a flower that's trying to blossom. Did you ever think about the actual process itself of how flowers actually bloom do you realize like whenever they're a seed they have to endure the weather right whether it's cold whether it's absolutely dry or when it rains in abundance and so the entire process of a seed and a flower itself, right? A seed to actually blossom into or bloom and grow into a flower. Many many of us take it for granted. Like, we kind of expect it to become a flower, right? Depending on what type of seed it is. But we have this expectation, right? Us, right? The outsiders have an expectation of something so minute as this flower. But then when we start to see the sprout, right? A little bit sprouting from the ground, then we have this sort of like sense of like hope and we sort of like cheer it on by like watering it and, you know, making sure that it has enough sunlight or sufficient one. And some of us actually sing to it, which is really interesting by the way. And yes, I know there's some studies out there that try to kind of prove like how that actually helps some plants grow. You know, it's, I'm not, here, I'm not here to debate that, but it's very interesting, right? But the point is, like, we try to cheer it on. We try to, like, basically nurture it from that point on. But then we sort of just... We, see, once again, we have this assumption that this seed is so self-sufficient. We don't really, like, pay attention to it until it starts sprouting when we see some visual evidence. And I find that to be kind of, like, how we actually apply that in our own lives, like. Right? Why is it that we wait until we see something, till we feel something, till we hear something, till we touch something, that we give it some type of realism to it? Because when we don't see it, when we don't hear it, when we don't touch it, when we don't feel it, when we don't hear it, feel or see it, and all these things, right? All the senses, basically. We kind of ignore it and just kind of like leave it alone and, and assume that it's going to just take care of itself. And so there's a risk involved. The risk here being that, well, if I do give it my effort, if I do give it my attention, if I do give it my energy and my emphasis and all of the desires and my sort of like pouring of, you know, resources and other factors, then the risk being that, well, 
Now this flower, this seed, is now reliant on me, and therefore I'm responsible for it, for its length of life. And so perhaps maybe that's the risk that we don't want to take at its beginning stages. Right? When it's a seed, when we don't really see it, and we don't really see some type of sprout budding from it, right? Because we don't want to give it our time. We don't want to risk our efforts and our resources and everything else that involves in it. So maybe perhaps the risk is part of the fear of not knowing if this flower will still be belonging to us or it will grow for us, right? But then the other side of the spectrum, the other risk is, well, if we don't do anything, if we just leave it be and just kind of like let it work itself out and let it grow on itself without much of my attention, without much of my resources, without much of my emphasis, then, well, maybe this flower won't need us and won't actually have any use for us. Like, why would it need us if it did it on our own? So, in this poem, this is written by Anais Nin, by the way, and this is titled Risk. So, let me read it one more time. And then I'll summarize it one last time so that it can sort of make sense. So once again, if you just came into the live, I read, I'm reading a poem called Risk. It's very, very short, and it's written by a French poet, but has other uh, ancestry uh, in her background. Anyway, this is, this is how it goes. And then the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. So, there's a decision that needs to happen in this metaphor, okay? This is a metaphor. The decision here being that, okay, this there's a flower, there's a, there's a, there's a seed that's sprouting and it's trying to grow to its fullest potential, but it needs to make a critical decision. The decision being, well, do I stay in my, in my cocoon, in my seed, in my bud, or do I bloom and grow out of this bud, do sprout far away from the seed. So the risk, there's there's two risks. I can stay and prove that I don't need anybody. Or I can bloom and bloom for somebody else and therefore become dependent on someone taking care of me. There's almost no middle ground. You see what I mean? Maybe that's the risk, that you lose that sense of middle ground. Can you imagine how many times that happens in your life? Have you ever thought like, wait, 
I don't really necessarily want to go all the way, but I also don't want to like stay in my like safe zone, so to, so to speak, because either way, you're not going to really grow into your fullest potential, right? Because if you stay in your cocoon, if you stay in your safe zone, then, well, what's the incentive to blossom? What's the incentive to grow? What's the incentive to be challenged and overcome those challenges and no obstacles? What's the incentive there? You don't have one. Because you choose to stay in your bubble. And by all means, I'm not trying to criticize that at all. This is not a criticism. It's just making you understand like there's a risk involved. But but the risk is necessary. The risk is necessary. See, the risk is what we need to take regardless of what decision you make. You can't avoid the risk. The risk is part of our fabric of growth. And the, the, shall we say, the criteria for making decisions. You need risk. You understand? So, here's something that a lot of my followers don't know. And I know there's a couple of guys here that might be interested in this topic. So part of my part of my doctoral work, I did some studies on video games, and you know the effects of it, and the theories behind it, the concepts, and the applications. And so one of the greatest things about video games is that your level of risk is kind of minimal. Eventually, not at first, because whenever you like play a new game, everything's very intense, right? And everything's new, so therefore you kind of take it serious. But then once you play it after a while, and you play it over and over again, then the sort of like risk factor sort of minimizes. And that's because ultimately, like you can make mistakes, and then learn from them. And so, in many ways, this is conducive to like wanting to learn more or at least learn more about the game but what i'm trying to say here is that our sense of actual like realism and the risk level that's applied in life also gets minimized and therefore once you learn to game the game you no longer have like a zest for wanting to play it anymore. This is one of the reasons why we get bored of games because the risk level is no longer existent. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it doesn't exist anymore. Because we know that we can just start it again if we make a mistake. So can you imagine how that can sort of get applied into life sometimes. When's the last time you like tried something and you tried it so often, right? Like you went back to it because you enjoyed it and then eventually you just got kind of bored of it. It's that risk level of like forgetting how why that experience you have with that realm, that area, that, shall we say, desire to want to 
be in that space. It no longer, there's no risk level involved anymore. Everything seems peaceful. Everything seemingly seems okay. That you know exactly how it's going to occur. You see, we need the risk. We need risk. It changes our attitudes and it keeps our concentration levels up because at any time, at any point, something could change, could fluctuate. Those fluctuations are necessary. You don't want to live in a world. Those fluctuations are necessary. You don't want to live in a world where everything seems like calculated and known, like you know exactly what you're going to do. Now, don't get me wrong. We need routine. That's also important. Okay. That's part of the risk as well. <laughs> we need, we need routine. We need it. But a lot of times in those routines, we want to break it and create some type of anomaly, right? We want to generate an anomaly, an anomaly. That's why we call it an anomaly, by the way, right? If you break out, if, if you break down the word anomaly, okay, you're going to realize that it has the word Anna, right? Which means me or I. So in many ways, you want to like sort of break up yourself from your routine so that you can experience something different and create a little bit of a risk. Now, I just want to clarify, when I say risk, it doesn't mean that you have to risk your life. It just means you have to understand like the fluctuation patterns of being doing something that's kind of a risk. So once again, I just want to clarify, do not endanger your life whatsoever. This is more about understanding like the patterns in your daily routine, the things that you do on a daily basis. I mean, think about this. What's one of the why is why what is one of the reasons why you listen to this live? Because you know there's going to be something we talked about usually different, right? I mean, I started this live with a whole different genre that I've never played before, simply because I liked it, and I know that y'all don't aren't expecting that of me, right? You're more expecting like this stuff, right? You're here right now. And then the topics that I offer are usually slightly different. Now, yes, I do frequently talk about common themes, but then I always like treat it in a slightly different manner. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's very joyous. Sometimes it's kind of like desolate and sometimes it's very hopeful. I don't just stick to one particular emotion or pattern. There needs to be some type of fluctuation. However, I, I present these lives in a particular order, right? I do a greeting, I introduce the songs, take a drink of water, and then prepare you guys for a set of poems. And then usually towards the end of the live, then I offer a request where you guys can ask something that you would like for me to read. But before then, it's stuff that I've prepared. You understand? So that sort of routine is good. But what you do between those measures is what makes it fun and exciting and different. This is the exact same pattern that we do for music, by the way. Okay, this is the, one of the beauty of music is that you can have measurements and you can have the exact same instruments 
but you can do whatever you want in between those measurements and with those instruments. Some of them you can mute them, some of them you can like, you know, just make it obnoxious and, you know, make it riff on so many different beats and sounds and harmonies. But it's never going to be the exact same song. Do you know how many songs have been written? Like thousands upon thousands and upon thousands. Why is it that we don't have a problem with sounding mundane and repetitive? Now, don't get me wrong. There's some genres out there that are slightly repetitive. <laughs> and I'm going to give a shout out to my Hispanic community because you all, you all know that reggaeton, even though it's very addicting, it's pretty much the same beat. Come on. I mean, let's not let's not kid ourselves. The words might be different, but it's the same exact beat, okay? And I love reggaeton by the way, but it's 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 very repetitive in terms of its beat. Now, what makes it unique and special is the words themselves, right? Like that's what people want to listen to. It's like the words like what are the actual what's the singer actually trying to say in these words? And usually they're not that really the substantive, but you know, they're catchy, right? They're catchy. And by the way, I'm going to make a video about why some of reggaeton art artists like they when they speak Spanish, it's really not a good Spanish. Like they they substitute the R's with an L. And I find that to be like kind of like a little bit annoying because that's not Spanish, man. <laughs> it's like the boy. Uh, I'm not even going to repeat this stuff, but it's it's really funny. But uh... <laughs> anyways. You all know what I'm saying, right? Okay. We need the risks. We need the anomalies. We need the change of pace, the change of patterns, fluctuating of emotions and logic. And see, speaking of logic, I like logic. Logic is very important for men, especially because this is how we learn to compartmentalize our memories and our emotions. See, wise men are so abundant in logic that they've learned to not be manipulated by their emotions. So the next time they hear something that is irritating, they don't let that irritation get the best of them and therefore they don't retaliate. Case in point, this actually happened like about four hours ago this evening. I kid you not. I was walking down a street after I went grocery shopping and there was this group of guys and you know they were kind of I, I suppose they were younger than me but they probably thought I was their age or whatever and by the way what, what I'm about to share is not a stereotype on any faith whatsoever this is simply my experience and those of you who've been following me for a while you know what sort of belief that I have but so these this one guy who was just walking by me and he was like hey man do you know do you know who God is and you know the way he said it was just very obnoxious and it was really, really like rude and insincere. Like he didn't really mean to ask that question, but he asked it anyway. Right. And so I just kind of looked at him and I just didn't answer and I just kept walking by. Right. Because like you don't really like somebody that asked that question doesn't really want to know your answer for real. They don't. And so once he noticed that I wasn't giving him the attention that he wanted, then I heard him blurt as he was walking away from me, you know, he called call me these names, right? Like these rude names, right? Like as if like I was the one being rude not to not to respond to him. 
And at first I thought, like, in my heart, I was like, man, that's, like, really, really annoying. Like, I didn't do anything to this guy, and he had the audacity of calling me a name. And I could have easily retaliated and shouted something back to him, right? Like, something, like, just, you know, just really, like, said something pertaining to his age, right? And 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 something else, too, but... I kept it in and I just didn't because I realized like this is a waste of time and I hope that one day this young guy is gonna like learn from his behavior right and eventually it is gonna blow back on him right but I'm not gonna be the one that's gonna waste my time because I mean I really had to go and I, <laughs> I didn't really want to talk to somebody that was you know that was pretty sure he was inebriated but you know it's just not worth your time right so like once again like wisdom helps you control your emotions and this is what wise men actually are good at doing. We learn to use wisdom to control. So, where am I going with this, y'all? Logic is critical. It's important. But, so is illogic and the abstract. Things that aren't making sense. We need those. Why? Because it helps to improve your logic even, even more. It helps you to realize the patterns and the behavior and the way you process knowledge. Why is it that you like certain things? Have you spent enough time thinking about the logic and the illogic factors? We really don't do this enough when it comes to relationships, by the way. We absolutely don't do this enough. We just kind of like go with the flow, as many people would say. And by all means, maybe that's fun for a while, but you'll get, but you'll realize soon that you're wasting your time because you didn't really think about like, what is it that really like makes you attracted to somebody? You see, I realized late in my life exactly what I'm attracted to. But I didn't... That's because I, I I actually purposely spent time daily thinking about that and wondering what that is. Now, here's what's ir ironic about that. When I share this with some of my circle of friends, you know what's the first thing that they all say? Well, the majority of them say. They say... Oh, man, but you're, like, limiting yourself from other possibilities. <laughs> and then to that, I just say, my man, like, I was open to those. And you and I, everybody is open to those possibilities for years. For years. And you're telling me that that's working for you? <laughs> No. Sometimes it might work. But most of the time, you really need to understand why you are attracted to certain people. Sometimes you realize there's things and patterns in your heart that you need to work on before you actually give it to someone else. And then sometimes you... kind of completely shut yourself out of that and just assume that oh man you know this is 
this person is nice, this person is very attractive, this person is, you know, so-and-so and so forth, right? Intelligent, all these things. But is that it? Are those the attributes that you are attracted to? Is it just those things? You see, this is part of the process of like becoming great friends with someone. We don't take enough time to actually like learn to be friends with someone. And by the way, we use that word friends so lightly. It's kind of alarming, like, like, and I mean this with a lot of like reasoning, and I say this with a lot of kindness as well and politeness. You know, we should always be polite to someone else, always be polite, and should always be kind-hearted as well. But that doesn't mean you got to be their friend. You got to be careful with what you mean by friend, because sometimes we don't really understand what a friend is to us and so you risk yourself in wanting to become friends with a complete stranger that you just think is really nice and to prove that point even more look at all of the social media platforms that exist right now. Do you think that the word friend was used on purpose or by accident? And how many of those people that are in your friends list are actually your friend? Most of the time, okay, most of the time, it's like less than 20%. And that's pretty, that's being generous actually. The actual real calculation is anywhere from between 3 and 5%. 3 to 5% of people that are in your friends list is actually your real friend. People that you actually like spent some time and sharing some really deep thoughts and emotions and things that you don't really want to share with other people. But yet all these social media outlets call it that your friend because it's a strategy. It's a strategy to get you to want to be on their platform. Who wants to have a platform where it says, oh yeah, how many strangers are following you? <laughs> what? Strangers? That's scary. But really, you know how many of those people on your list are strangers? I mean, you might know them through acquaintances, but do you actually know them? No. Let's be real. This is not about this is not about being rude or you know kind of like making you feel disheartened. It's about understanding like the risk factor of why you're their friend or why you want them to be your friend. And if you want them to be your friend, are you risking your time, your efforts in wanting to get to know them and allowing them to get to know you? Are you risking it? The answer is probably not. It's not a pleasant answer and it may not reflect well on you, but make no mistake, now that you're realizing this, 
what are you going to do about it? You're just going to leave it alone, stay in your cocoon, in your bud, or are you going to sprout and do something amazing, something that's going to turn into a flower? So, learn to spend the time, learn to share things that are very dear to you with certain people in your life that you honestly and genuinely consider your friend. Which is why, and this will be the last thing I'll say before we move on to our next poem, that's why we need to be very careful with who we share our heart with. Especially when it becomes between the friendship between a man and a woman. And I know you guys heard this already from my previous lives and my previous videos, but you need to be very careful with who you consider a friend that's in the opposite sex of you. You need to be very careful because it's not as truthful and genuine and real as you think it is. Men and women cannot be friends unless they are true companions with one another, right? If they're intimate with one another. See, intimacy is sort of like the critical factor for a man to be a, truly a friend with a woman. Because if that doesn't exist, then they're not your friend. I'm sorry, ladies. I know that's not a pleasant perspective or realization, but it's true. We'll, we'll say that you're, we're your friend and we want to be your friend. But that's because all we want is to have an opportunity to be more than friends with you. Because when we share our heart with you, it's significant. It means something. It's like a metaphorical act of intimacy with you because we want you to feel that you're a part of us and we're a part of you. And so the more we share our hearts with other women, then the more degrading and worthless we become. Which is why all men who li are listening to this right now, that is exactly why you need to be very wise and diligent about who you share your heart with. You can't, you cannot give, give your heart to so many women. You are going to lose, my friend, and you are going to hurt yourself, and you're going to feel so distraught, and then you're going to be so angry at the rest of the world because you thought they did you an injustice when all along you did it to yourself, bro. You did it to yourself because you weren't willing to take the time to actually develop a true, genuine friendship with one woman and only one. Especially the woman that you desired and the one that desired you in return. I know many men have risked their heart and gave it to some other women 
that weren't interested in them, but yet were so stubborn because we really want them to like be a part of us, so we give it to them anyway. But my my man, my friend, my bro, all the guys listening to this live right now or on the podcast, please do yourself a favor and for your future generations in your line. Learn to read those patterns better and learn to read if the woman that you're interested isn't interested in you. Do not waste your time on them. Because, my man, your heart is absolutely precious and it is so vital and important to the structure and the patterns of this world and especially when it comes to growing a family, man. You need to give that heart only to the woman that desires you and that you desire her. That woman is an absolute queen and therefore you need to take care of her and love her in the best way possible. And one of those ways is by sharing your heart and your thoughts and your lovely words only to her. Stop being a fool and trying to fool yourself in thinking that if I just send my heart out to every single woman that I meet, or at least the ones that I would like to meet, and they don't have any interest in me, stop fooling yourself and thinking that that's going to work because it's not, man. You're going to be end up hurting yourself. And I pray to God that you don't end up in like some total distraught place that you're going to end up completely demolished man and it's just it's not a good place to be it's going to be in total darkness and you're going to be crying out for help and sometimes you don't want help because you're so distraught and you're so controlled by your pride and your ego that your ego is not even going to let you cry out for help for help You want to play a healthy risk? You want to practice a healthy risk? Why don't you risk not giving your words, your lovely words to every single woman? Why don't you risk not giving your heart out to every single woman that you come across? And instead, why don't you risk holding your heart and preparing it, you're giving it some wholesome stimulation and content and knowledge and prepare it until the day that you come across this amazing, beautiful woman that is going to be so into you and that you are going to be so into her that now I give you my love, my darling, my absolute passion to you. This is for you, my my love. No one else has captivated my heart. No one else deserves my heart but you. And therefore, you are my best friend for my life. 
truly my best friend. When I think of you, I stay so connected and I'm reminded of all the moments we've had together. The way I held you in my arms, the way I kissed you, the way I danced with you, the way I surprised you with some of the silliest gifts and the gestures. I'm moved when you think of me. When you ask me to call you when I arrived safely, even if it's three o'clock in the morning, my darling, those are just one of the thousands of reasons why I love you. That is why no other woman can ever satisfy me like you do. Because you are my best friend. You're my closest friend. I share my heart only with you and my thoughts and my words only with you because I choose to do that. And I know you love me for those things and that you feel affirmed by my words that you feel loved by my gestures, that you feel comforted by my thoughts. You're safe with me as I feel at home with you. So, with me as I have always been with you. So that the next time we are out in the fields and we look up at the sky and we say, those stars are shining for us right now. And when I look in your eyes and I want to kiss your lips, it is only for you. or on a couch or out in the patio and we just are saying nothing to one another and just being in each other's company that is the exact day and moment that I can absolutely feel at peace knowing that I have my beautiful woman and friend 
loving the time to be with one another. I'll be able to sleep sound at night. And when I raise my glass, I honor you. you are one with me. You see, that is the most critical part about understanding relationships. And I'm speaking to men specifically here. You really need to get it in your minds that when you are with a woman, when you are with this beautiful, amazing love that loves you in return, by the way, okay, cannot be one way. It cannot be one way. Let me repeat that one last time. It cannot be one way. It has to be both ways, my friend. When you find that one woman that is reciprocating the same love that you are, or at least putting the same emphasis as you are, the same interest and the same intentions and purpose, you are going to become one, my friend. Get that in your mind because when you intertwine with another amazing soul, you will not be able to break it. They're your friend, my friend. <laughs> you understand? They're your friend. And they will endure the darkest and hardest seasons of all. They will not give up easily as people who aren't truly friends do. Your closest and best friends will never give up on you, even if it hurts, my friend. My goodness. Stop believing in those lies that that's never possible. Here's one little piece of evidence to prove that point. And I've talked about this before. This won't take long, I promise. And I promise we're going to go to the next poem. <laughs> Do you know how I know that a true, strong, love exists that is almost impenetrable that it's unbreakable it's the love that you see between a mother or a father and their children there's very few parents in the world that exist that will not ever stop loving their children. Very few parents that exist in the world that will, will, they, parents will always love their children, no matter what. And you know what? 
we somehow get lost and are deceived in thinking that that doesn't exist between a father and a mother. The same people that created the children in the first place. Do you honestly believe that that's not possible? No. You haven't learned enough time. You haven't spent enough time realizing that. That amazing and strong and powerful, seemingly impenetrable love exists way before the children were ever created. And it's only through the pain and the sorrow and the desperation and the darkness and the lies that made you believe that that doesn't exist, that cannot exist. Those are patterns coming from a broken world and a broken heart and a broken people. People that have rebelled against an amazing, intelligent designer that wanted us to understand the importance of a merciful love, a all-encompassing and perfect love, but was unfortunately destroyed by our own doings, our own selfishness, our own greed, our own selfish ways. And that's why children are a gift from God. So, I know many of you have been probably hurt. And you probably think there's never ever going to be any hope or someone that is going to love you in that way. But the very fact that you actually have those thoughts and you actually start believing them is one of the problems of living in a broken world. You see, the Christians call it sin, and that's the problem. We're so embedded and drenched in our own ways that of course you're never going to be able to see how a perfect love can exist. And I'm not saying it's going to be like perfect, perfect, that it's going to be impenetrable. <laughs> there's going to be issues, there's going to be problems, there's going to be arguments, there's going to be discussions. But the important part is, have you gained enough wisdom to control your emotions from allowing you to think that understanding and patience and mercy can be part of the way you love somebody. If you are not merciful, you cannot be loving. If you are not patient, then you cannot be peaceful. If you are complacent, then you cannot be wise.
This one's titled The Peace of Wild Things by a Scottish poet named Wendell Berry. Are you ready? We're going to start in five, four, Despair, for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound, in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be. I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water. And the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. And I come into the presence of still water. And I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in grace of the world. And I am free. Did you understand that? Do you appreciate the message of this poem? It's fantastic. Did you guys get that? This is titled The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. Amazing. Oh man, so good. You know, sometimes you're so awestruck by some poems that. Sometimes you just don't want to spoil it by analyzing it. Sometimes you just want to leave it be. See, when you explain things, you are no longer making it plain and simple. You are complicating it. See, that's why we call it explaining. You're explaining it. You're just complicating it. You're introducing more complexities than it needs to have. 
Sometimes poetry is just poems and they're just there to help you just like realize something in yourself. There's a beauty in the stillness of peace. Think about the last time you went to a forest or you went to the ocean and there was nothing but the stillness or the gentle breeze or maybe the soft ruffling of the leaves or maybe just the slight crashing of the waves and all of that ambience, right? It's just like a peaceful place. And we long for that, by the way. Human beings long for peace so badly. But we let our pride and our ego once again dictate to us that we cannot achieve peace unless it's done through a forceful manner. One of my favorite poems is something called Mending Wall, which I'm going to read next, actually. And it's written by Robert Frost. But one of the reasons why this is such a fantastic poem is because basically, well, let me read it and then I'll explain. So this is titled Mending Wall by Robert Frost. You ready? Here we go. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen ground swell under it. spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gaps gaps even two can pass abreast and the work of hunters is another thing I have come after them and made repair where they have left not one stone on a stone but they would have the rabbit out of hiding. To please the yelping dogs. And the gaps, I mean, no one has seen them made or heard them made. But a spring mending time, we find them there. And I let my neighbor know beyond the hill. And on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. And we keep the wall between us as we go. To each the boulders that have fallen to each. And some are loaves and some so nearly balls. We have to use a spell to make them balance and stay where you are until our backs are turned and we wear our fingers rough with handling them oh 
just another, another kind of outdoor game. One on a side, and it comes to little more there, where it is we do not need the wall. He is all pine, and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, Good fences make good neighbors. Spring is the mischief in me, and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out. And to whom I was like to give offense. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. could say elves to him, but it's not exactly elves, and I'd rather he said it for himself, and I see him there bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand. Like an old stone savage armed, he moves in darkness as it seems to me. Not of woods only, in the shade of trees, and he will not go behind his father's saying, and he likes having thought of it so well. And he says again, Good fences make good neighbors. Once again, this is titled Mending Wall by Robert Frost. You see, we need those walls because we live in a broken world. And in many ways, that's the only way to keep peace in this world, right? With the preconditions that exist in this world. We need to have those fences. See, in a world that doesn't have sin, okay? 
those fences wouldn't make sense. Because your heart wouldn't be filled with caution, it wouldn't be filled with envy, it wouldn't be filled with any negativity, really. And would otherwise be much more interested in this absolute truth and love that is going to be focused on something far superior than ourselves. And so a wall wouldn't be necessary between us. But in this poem, in this precondition, in this world, good fences make good neighbors. But that wall will always exist as a deciding, deciding factor of a, a reminder. It's like a, it's like a monument, basically, reminding us of how broken we are. And once again, based on the preconditions that exist in this world, we need that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's a great thing. It only serves to remind you that we are broken and we have to be cautious. And we have to continue to strive for some type of peace, even if it won't be a perfect, merciful peace. Sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. 
he may be clearing you out for some new delight. And the dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing. And invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. The Guest House by Jalaluddin Rumi. Isn't this amazing, y'all? You know, I shared this story a long time ago about a time when one of my dearest women in my life, also known as Abuelita, was upsettingly robbed by two young adolescents. And after they were found and caught the judge of the local community where this happened turned to my uncle and he asked do you want to press charges and my uncle said no The judge looked at him in almost an outrage and actually told my uncle, Don't be a fool. And my uncle kept his tongue and he told the judge, I understand. but I will show grace and mercy. For these children that were fools themselves. of that one act of what my uncle did so many people grew from that decision that he made and I can't fully explain how it changed everybody but I, I know that there was some change in the judge, in, the, in those thieves, in me, and so many people, just by that one act of mercy. You see, mercy is kind of a risk, 
because do we fully know if it's going to change somebody by your act of forgiveness? No, we don't. But that's something between their heart and God himself. So you leave that up to the Lord to instill in their hearts and not force it on them. I will never, ever get tired of this story. And I know you guys have heard this time and time again. But please, do me a favor. And if you are familiar with this story or not, you need to read. Okay, don't just watch the film, but read the story of the most amazing fictional story ever and that is written by Victor Hugo and his sensational French romantic thriller called Le Miserable Please, do not skim over the act when the priest forgives the main character whose name is Jean Valjean, who is a thief and a brute and one of the most insensitive people you'll ever come across in a fictional novel. who sucker punched the priest, who robbed him, who lied to him and used him for his resources, for his time and trust. And even after all of those things, the priest actually forgives him wholeheartedly and even gives him more than what Jean Valjean had robbed him for. And he tells them, my son, from this day forth, you shall use these resources for good. And your heart will also be for good. Jean Valjean, who is a brute and an insensitive character, wept his eyes so much and could not believe that such a man would show and bestow so much grace and mercy onto someone who didn't deserve it. That is how you know you need to be merciful when somebody doesn't deserve it. If you refuse to show and bestow mercy on someone who doesn't deserve it, 
be careful because your heart is turning into a stone of stubbornness, of pride, of ego, and feeding into those lies of this broken and dark world. No, you want to be a true light. You want to be a true learner of the most amazing love that has ever been defined for us. Bestow and give grace and be merciful to those who don't deserve it. If they choose not to change because of your mercy, that's something that is beyond your control anymore. But as far as you and the God that you serve, you will live a much more peaceful life and a fulfilled life that is beyond words and any knowledge you can acquire. You want to learn how to protect your house. You want to learn how to nourish your house. Nourish it with forgiveness. Nourish it with a true definition of compassion. You will never, ever falter. But that is a risk you will have to decide for yourself. All right, y'all. This is the Jay Rolden Speaks podcast. I want to say thank you so much for staying up late with me. I hope you learned something so wonderful, so amazing. I want to clarify. All these words and all of this wisdom is not something that I just came up with. Okay, this is an accumulation of wholesome content that I've acquired. And if you care to know and want to ask this in the future, then I'll just tell you right now. Some of it was learned from poems. Some of it was learned from good literature. Some of it was learned from good lectures. But most of it was learned from something that we call scripture, which is another way of saying the Bible. So take that as you will. But I want to say thank you for being here. I hope that we get to see each other again. I hope you guys tune in to the next live. And as I always say at the end of all my lives, no matter what, this has been an absolute privilege. This has been an absolute, just an amazing time. And I hope that we can continue to do this. But if I don't see you, if something happens, don't worry. There's something more amazing for you in your life. Something far better than what you're listening to on here. All you got to do is search for that truth for yourself and I 
promise you when you are standing in front of that wisdom and when you are so immersed in that knowledge and that true definition of perfect love you will be just as joyous and just as peaceful and just as compassionate as I've learned to be in my years and I hope that I can carry that same peace and wisdom and truth to my lineage and even Lord willing a wife someday and even a daughter that would be so lovely <laughs> anyways y'all thank you so much for being here one last little plug here. After the show, I want you to go to Spotify. If you don't have that app, search for it. Just put in Spotify. And once you download it, I want you to search for my podcast. It's called J. Rolden Speaks. You cannot go wrong with it, guys. You're going to see a picture of my face on there. There's going to be a profile picture. You're going to see this face. And there are three links. First link is to rate the show. Let me know how I'm doing. I really want to know how I'm doing. Seriously, I'm not just saying that. Let me know. Leave some comments. If you want to leave a message, right? There's a little link that you can leave a moist message. By the way, I want to thank a new follower. And I I just saw that like right before I tuned into this live. But if you are, I don't think they're here, actually. Let me make sure they're, I don't know if they're here. No, they're not. Okay. So I'll, I'll thank them next time they're here. But those of you who are new to this show and are genuinely interested in learning and hearing some more content from me, go to Spotify, follow it, let me know how I'm doing, rate it, leave a message if you want, let me know if there's some poem you want me to read in the future, and if you are able, I would love your support, absolutely love it. I can't tell you how much it's already made a difference with some of my subscribers, but Unfortunately, I still have ads on there and they are annoying to be quite honest, but I want to get it to a point where I have enough listener support that I can do away with the ads and that way it can be all nice and streamlined for y'all. But for now, I have to have those ads on because it helps. And so thank you so much to my current listener, listeners and my supporters. But if you want to make the jump and want to help out with the show, I would be so helpful. That would be so thankful. And well, anyway, just think about it. Thank you so much for being here. Let me say goodnight to my Spanish speakers. Un millón de gracias por ustedes. No sé si ustedes eh, entendieron todo, pero eh, les pido que la, en la próxima si, eh, me apoyen aún más porque voy a tratar uno de estos días. Quiero hacer un live solamente en español. Así que, bueno, por ahora no tengo muchos seguidores en español. Así que si, si algún día, bueno, quieren... <ríe> quieren Apoyarme con más seguidores en castellano. Bueno, comparten este live con tus amigos o sus familias. Y bueno, ahí podemos crecer aún más la comunidad española. Así que, perdón, comunidad latino. Así que podemos hacer un, un, un podcast en español. Pero voy a esperar un rato hasta que eso ocurre. Pero quiero dar gracias por ustedes y su sintonía. Nos vemos en la próxima, si Dios quiere. Y que Dios lo bendice, que lo guarde. Y bueno, nos vemos muy luego, ¿cierto? Hasta mañana.
Alright buddy, have a great night, get some rest, and we'll see you hopefully in the next live. Bye bye.